This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good morning, Craig. Good morning. Plenty of big news stories to talk about. Let's start with the latest US CPI figures, and they've come in higher than expected at 9.1%. How have markets reacted? Not very well. It seems that we never get a a positive surprise on the US inflation data. I think last month was pretty much in line, and that's as good as it's got, really. And this upside surprise is just another negative development. I mean, we're looking at a central bank which has been raising rates aggressively since the start of the year. And yes, it does take that time for that to filter through to the economy. But you hope in the meantime that inflation isn't going to spiral in such a manner that it's going to become recessionary and that we're going to have to see more interest rate hikes from the Federal Reserve. But they are very much backed into a corner now. They were very reluctant to acknowledge inflation late last year. And by the time they finally started, it's clearly too late. And now that's why we are seeing such an aggressive rate hike path. And it seems that there's more to come and perhaps even more aggressively than they've been so far. Other central banks will be looking at these figures with interest, Craig. And we've already had a big rate hike yesterday from the Bank of Canada. Yeah, they've taken supersize to the next level. They raised interest rates by 1%. Um, So it shows how big a concern inflation is becoming worldwide. And they were already raising interest rates in a similar path uh, to the US. One interesting thing that they actually said was that that they've underestimated inflation since the spring of last year, which effectively necessitated them being more aggressive. Now, it's not often that you actually see central banks really acknowledge that, especially in such a formal statement. So I thought that was a really interesting thing. And they effectively said that they're going to have to continue to raise interest rates going forward as well. And there were other interesting parts of that statement also. But it just goes to show central banks now having to be far more aggressive. We're now looking at other central banks and we're thinking, well, we've got the Fed in two weeks. Now the markets are pricing in an outside chance around 30% that they'll raise interest rates by 1% as well, or 75 and 75. So the the expectations have been hiked up 150 basis points over the next two meetings, whichever way you see it. And also an extra 25 basis points by the end of the year. The Bank of England has been stuck to 25 basis points up until this point, but they could now move to 50 basis points, you can imagine, over the next couple of meetings. The ECB has previously said that it will raise by 25 basis points. Hard to imagine that they still haven't started raising interest rates, that they are still at minus 0.5%. And yet you've got other central banks that have been so aggressive for so many months now. But they could effectively kickstart their tightening program with a 50 basis point in July. And other central banks are doing the same as well. The RBN said earlier yesterday they raised rates by 50 basis points. The RBA have been doing the same and so on and so forth. This is just the, the trend now. The question is, at what point does it become recessionary? We're seeing so much more recession talk at this point. The Bank of England started talking about recession a few months ago, very much accepting that that was coming later this year. Uh, Other central banks are now coming around to that way of thinking and the markets are coming around to that way of thinking as well. We've got a yield curve inversion now in the US. The 10-year yield is lower than the two-year. That's typically been a recession warning as well. Obviously, stock markets are performing very poorly still, as are other risk assets. The recession red flags are there, unfortunately. And while it's not really the base case quite yet for the US, 
I think it's increasingly becoming the base case for the UK and Europe later this year. And I think the US may not be far behind, even though their economy is so much more resilient at this point in time. It's just hard to imagine such a, an aggressive tightening cycle not ending in a recession. And it seems, again, that's where the rate market's pricing and they're pricing in very aggressive tightening uh, over the course of the rest of this year, maybe even some early next. And then very quickly moving into rate cuts, which again would suggest that the markets are anticipating effectively a, a rate hike-induced recession. There is a lot of talk of recession, but yesterday we saw much better growth figures in the UK than were expected. So how do you square that circle? I think we have to take that with a pinch of salt to some extent. I mean, it was a monthly figure rather than being the quarterly data. And the two months prior to that were negative. So you always have to take that with some consideration as well. So the month prior to that month, so we saw 0.5% growth last month. Before that, it was minus 0.2. And before that, it was minus 0.1. So we have to bear that in mind and we may not see the recession actually kick in now and maybe this monthly data that we saw uh, from the UK suggests that it's not going to be immediately that we're going to fall into recession. But once the energy price cap rises again later this year, you can imagine that that's going to be the point when the squeeze is going to become almost too much. And I think that's what the Bank of England has effectively been anticipating now for many months is that the cost of living crisis is really going to ramp up a notch later on in the year come the winter and that's ultimately when the economy is going to be tipped into recession but it is encouraging to see a brief period of uh, positive growth uh, for the economy and you kind of take whatever you can get at this point. Now these fears about the health of the global economy and uh, aggressive interest rate rises causing recession certainly had an effect on the euro, haven't they? Because we now have a situation where the euro is down to parity against the US dollar for the first time in 20 years. And the euro has not been helped by more concerns about the energy situation and Nord Stream 1 and our dependence on Russian energy. Exactly. I mean, yesterday actually touched 0.9998 uh, for the first time in 20 years. So it's it feels like quite a momentous occasion. It's uh, something that's been talked about for so many years now. Will the euro fall to parity against the dollar? And now we're there. And as you say, there's, there's a couple of reasons why we've seen that happen, especially the acceleration over the course of the last couple of weeks. As I've already alluded to, the US, the US central bank is raising rates far more aggressively than most others especially the European Central Bank. But also the economy is far more resilient. So already we're talking about recession in Europe, even though they're still at minus 0.5%. The US is is throwing out supersized rate hikes on a meeting-by-meeting meeting basis, and they are still seeing signs that the economy is strong. We're seeing areas of weakness like the housing market, and I, like, I, like I said earlier, I think we will see further trends of weakness. But we're still seeing a, a huge amount more resilience in the US economy than we're seeing in Europe. And obviously they do have lower exposure to the war in Ukraine and lower, lower um, like they're less reliant on Russia for their energy needs, which is, uh, which is a positive factor as far as the economy is concerned. And then you add to that the fact that we're seeing so much risk aversion in the markets and where do people go when there's times of risk aversion? Well, the money moves towards the dollar. So all of those factors have really driven this pair back to parity. And we're looking at a situation now where that kind of one level is a real technical, interesting area of support. We continue to see the price rebound off there, but you have to ask, how long is that going to last? At what point are we going to see that properly break? And 
then how long are we going to be below parity for? Because the fundamentals certainly aren't favourable for Europe for the foreseeable future. And even when they start raising interest rates, the expectation is already that it'll quick, they'll quickly tip them into recession, at which point what will the central bank be? Uh, how will the central bank respond, especially when they're still of the belief that the bulk of the inflationary pressure is external ultimately and supply side driven? So, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting one, but um, now it just feels like a case of when it's going to fall below one rather than if. Going back to what you were saying before, Craig, people are already starting to discuss a cut in rates once they hit a peak. Any idea when that might be? Well, the way the markets are pricing, it could even be as early as next year. If it is next year, it will probably be late next year. But the market, the way the markets are pricing at this point in time, it's going to be quite a, a quick turnaround because the, uh, the expectation is ultimately that rates rise so aggressively between now and the end of the year that the economy gets tipped into recession. Once we see the economy get tipped into recession and we see the base effects fall out of the inflation data, the inflation will start to fall back towards target and especially core inflation will start to fall back towards target and the central bank will then be facing a recession and lower levels of inflation and therefore be incentivized to start cutting rates to support the economy and to support the labour market. It feels like a, a kind of rose-tinted view on things because the core assumption there is that inflation will fall back towards target. And that's something that just hasn't really happened yet. And we seem to have had monthly negative surprises on inflation rather than any positive upbeat surprises. So this idea that that, that will improve over the course of the next 12 months and allow the Fed to start cutting interest rates is perhaps a little too optimistic. And maybe early 2024, maybe 2024 is when we can reasonably start to expect the Fed to cut interest rates. I don't know about you, for me, forecasting so far into the future when everyone has been so wrong six months in advance. Uh, we look at where we were mid last year, then we look at where we were late last year. We look at what the consensus view was early this year. I remember Jamie Dimon, JP Morgan CEO, saying maybe February, March time that the US could raise rates five, six, maybe even seven times this year. And he wasn't talking about seven supersized rate hikes. He was talking about 725 basis points. So he was basically saying we could see the Fed raise interest rates by maybe 1.5, maybe even 1.75% this year. The end result's going to be more like 3.75%. So even the more intelligent among us and the people with historically better foresight are struggling to navigate this environment. And I think, therefore, trying to anticipate where we're going to be in 2024 is a tough game. Finally, we're edging towards the end of the week. What should we look out for in the next 24 hours or so? Well, today is looking a little bit quieter. We do have some economic data that will be of interest, but really the bulk of it comes tomorrow. We've got things like US retail sales, which is obviously going to be of interest to see how the consumer's holding up in this tightening environment, in this cost of living crisis environment. Are they continuing to spend? Are they continuing to support the economy? Or... Are they ultimately feeling the squeeze? Are they being deterred by the headlines? Um, and are they almost preparing for tougher times ahead? And is that impacting their spending patterns? Later in the day, we also have consumer sentiment figures. And while they're not always the perfect uh, indication of how consumers actually spend their money, it is going to be interesting to see if there's any alignment between the retail sales figures and that consumer sentiment figures uh, an hour and a half after that. We also have uh, Chinese GDP overnight, and I think that could potentially lead the session in terms of in, in terms of uh, how we see trade materialise into the end of the week as well. And then we've got some kind of tier two and tier three 
data pieces scattered across the day, things like Empire State Manufacturing Index, business inventories, capacity utilization, industrial production, things like that. So there's plenty of data points throughout uh, on Friday. So I think that's going to be the key. Um, but sentiment really has taken a hit this week as a result of that US inflation data and also kind of seeing what the Bank of Canada has done as well. So I think it's maybe investors are going to struggle to turn this around at this point, especially ahead of the Fed meeting in two weeks time. Great. Thanks very much for joining us today. Have a good day. Thank you. This is the Oanda Podcast.